Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of What Does the Bible Say About? Today we're going to be looking again at the question, What Does the Bible Say About the Millennial Reign? This is part three of our series of looking into this particular question. Uh, If you're with us for the first two parts, you'll know that in part one, we just gave a basic overview of the different positions that are out there, uh, noting particularly that the question is, when does Christ return with, in relationship to the millennial reign, which is described in Revelation chapter 20? Uh, Last week, we looked at uh, part two, in part two, we looked at premillennialism a bit more closely, and I gave a critique of that. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at postmillennialism. I'm going to be giving a critique of that and thereby arguing for the amillennial position that it is, in fact, uh, the, the best understanding of Scripture. We have to note at the outset here, though, that uh, postmillennialism and amillennialism are very similar. Both of them teach that Christ's return will happen after the millennial reign, as it's described in Revelation chapter 20. The difference being that amillennialism sees no distinction between the church age at any point and the millennial reign as it's described in Revelation chapter 20. That is to say, the entire church age, without any significant change within that church age, is the millennial reign as it's described in Revelation chapter 20. Those who are post-millennials will say that Revelation chapter 20, or, or in some cases other passages, are describing a future church age, which can be described as a golden age which is distinct from, uh, in, in many ways, uh, the way the church has operated, per, for instance, in the time of Acts. Basically, the idea being that the gospel will go forward to such an extent that it, that it will conquer and it will produce a thoroughly Christian society where there will be a golden age with Christ reigning in a special way um, that where his people will receive the blessings of the millennial kingdom before the coming of Christ. So there's a distinction within the churches. That's really the big question. Um, Should we look for fundamental continuity across the entire church age? If so, you you are an amillennial. If you are looking for a fundamental discontinuity happening at some point, whether gradually or quickly, uh, whether um, it being, um, you know, comprehensive or, uh, or a bit more modest, uh, the idea is that there is going to be something that will happen where the church will slide into or come into a better age where there will be a thoroughly Christian society. So does those scriptures teach fundamental continuity within the whole church age, or is there another kind of age that the scriptures speak of? Um, and if so, where is where does the scriptures teach that this golden age? Uh, those who are post-millennials will often go to Isaiah chapter 11 and 65 to try to prove uh, this kind of golden age. Uh, we actually looked at that, those passages last time in part two in the critique of premillennialism. And interestingly, here is a, is a point where premillennials and postmillennials uh, actually interpret passages of Scripture in very similar ways. Both of them looking at Revelation chapter, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 11 and, and chapter 65, interpret it as being something distinct from the final consummation of all things that comes when Christ returns. And so because of that, the critique of premillennialism, at least on this point, uh, actually applies to postmillennialism as well. Uh, that is to say the, that most of the passages that are produced for this kind of golden age 
uh, are in fact speaking of the consummation of all things. Um, the language in Isaiah chapter 11 seems to be pretty clearly pointing this way. It's a description of a paradise like that of Eden. The idea is a return back to uh, what was lost um, in Eden, where God is with his people and uh, none of the animals kill anymore, um, that sort of thing. It's a picture of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth in its consummation. Uh, and it's not really speaking of uh, the church age as a whole. Now, those who are post-millennials will usually point to promises such as the promise given to Abraham that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky. This is clearly fulfilled in Christ, and more, even more particularly with the advancement of the gospel as the, the call uh, of the gospel goes out to all the nations, and all the nations respond and are brought in, and there's an innumerable number that are saved. And post-millennialists will argue on the basis of this promise uh, that there will be more believers than unbelievers, such that the society itself will be fundamentally changed. And while we do believe that the, the passages and the promises are glorious, we do expect an innumerable number at the end of, of time uh, to have been brought in uh, and to believe in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ and to be finally redeemed on the last day. Even though that's the case, we still have to say that those passages really teach nothing about the relative number of believers and unbelievers. It does not say anything about how many believers will be saved as compared to unbelievers and whether or not this majority or this innumerable number will in fact fundamentally change the society such that there will be a golden age within the age of the church. None of that is really taught um, in that passage. It is um, in some ways assumed. And if we go to the New Testament itself to look at the particular passage which seemed to deal with the number of people that will be saved versus those who will not be saved, we actually see a very different picture, which is to say that even though many people will be saved on the last day, still the scriptures seem to teach that there will be more unbelievers than believers. So for instance, in Matthew chapter 7, the, the, the way is broad and the gate is wide that leads to destruction, but the way is narrow and the gate is narrow that leads to everlasting life. And there are few who go through the narrow gate and, and walk on the narrow way. And yet there are many, many who go through the broad gate and, and who uh, walk on the broad way on the path of destruction. Now, those who are post-millennials will have to say that this only applies to the first century. However, uh, within the context of Matthew chapter 7, where this is found, this is the beginning of, of uh, Jesus' conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, where he gives four uh, descriptions, uh, warnings, so to speak, of ways in which believers will be distinguished from unbelievers. And all of them seem to apply to the entire church age, and, and even they seem to even go all the way up to uh, the second coming and the final judgment of Christ. So, for instance, when Jesus says, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, the same context uh, as the passage about the narrow gate, uh, he speaks of and alludes to the last day, the final judgment, where he will say to those um, who say, you know, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he'll say, be gone, I never knew you. Uh, there, the saying be gone is particularly in the context of the final judgment, meaning that uh, Christ's words there apply to the entire church age. And it would be strange then for uh, the other passages that are in parallelism with that passage not to apply to the entire church age as well. We see something very similar again with Matthew chapter 22, uh, where there is a parable given about a king who throws a wedding ba banquet for his son, a great banquet, and he calls many people to come. Many people refuse to come, uh, and at the end, the conclusion is uh, that Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. This seems to be uh, the teaching of the New Testament. So it is to say then that there will be a great number of people 
who are converted if, if we consider that number in itself. However, there will always be more people who do not believe, more people who reject the gospel than those who receive it, and therefore we should not expect society to be fundamentally changed in such a way that we enter into a golden age where we can where we can say that you know there's not going to be the same kind of outward persecutions uh, that we that we see for instance in the book of acts the idea is fundamental continuity that the scriptures teach all the way up until the coming of christ and so you know what paul has said to the the church will always apply regardless of how much the, the gospel advances that it is only through much suffering that we must enter into uh, the kingdom of god now the reason this is important is because um it, it does make a difference in terms of what we are looking for when we uh, suffer and go through difficult times in this life. The scriptures really have no concept of pointing us to a better age of the church. Rather, the scriptures are always pointing us only to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't look first to a time when the gospel will advance to such a degree that we no longer suffer persecution. We, in, in, we rather expect to be persecuted as the gospel goes forward, just like it was in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we see both those things happening. Uh, everywhere Paul goes, the gospel goes forward. And everywhere he goes, he's persecuted. And everywhere he goes, most people do not believe, though there are a large number of people who believe. We are to expect those kinds of things to continue all the way to the coming of Christ. And as we suffer in this life, we are to look only for, in, for our hope and consolation to the day when Christ returns knowing that things may not get any better for us uh, throughout our entire lives. And the church may even take steps back while we're, we uh, are in this life, but we are to have confidence that the gospel will ultimately continue to move forward, and eventually uh, Christ will return when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. This is really the only great event that's left on the, the great uh, redemptive historical calendar, so to speak. It is the thing uh, to which we look and the thing to which we long and the scriptures really don't give us any hope for any other consolation, for instance, in that kind of uh, golden age where uh, the world is Christianized. So hopefully you found this helpful. Um, we will be tackling another question next week. Just a, a quick housekeeping announcement. We will begin to make these videos available on both YouTube and on our podcast. Uh, if you would like to see them there, you can find the links in the bio of our Instagram page. Hopefully you found this helpful, and uh, we will be with you again uh, next week for another episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast as it will help out our uh, podcast channel and make the teachings of the Word of God more widely available. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find out more at our website at newcovopcssf.com. That's N-E-W-C-O-V-O-P-C-S-S-F.com. -S